Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loya, your host. We present the riches of both lungs of the church on this program. In other words, the eastern and the western lungs of the church, more commonly known as the Latin Rite and the Eastern Rite churches. In presenting primarily, of course, the Eastern Rite churches, we try to do so where it's not just a history lesson, although that's very much a part of it. You've got to know the history of it, where it all came from. That's very interesting and relevant. But also, using that term relevant, we want to make these gifts and this history of the Eastern churches in particular relevant because they are. They're good for all time. If I wasn't, for me to be doing this program means that I believe in the spirituality of my own church, the spirituality of my, my own faith, the Eastern Christian spirituality. And if I believe in it, I want to share it because I think it's good. I think it's relevant for the world even today. There are certain things that are good for all time. Let's face it. Would you ever look at the Mona Lisa or listen to a Mozart symphony and ever come to say, oh, it's just bad and old-fashioned? No, it's been good for centuries. It would be good forever. There are many things that are good for all time. And that is the case with most, well, actually all of the spirituality, the truth and authentic spirituality and teaching of the church, East and West. And so it is also with the Eastern churches. There is a timelessness about the riches, the true riches and treasures of the church, East and West. And a lot of times what we have to do is to kind of revisit them, the authentic riches, dust them off and see that they are absolutely relevant for today. Now, here's an example just to show you what I mean. I'm going to take an issue, a contemporary issue, the issue of immigration. And you might think, what is he talking about that for in a program about the Eastern churches? The issue of immigration may seem like a political issue. Well, okay, it is on a certain level. Yeah, it's political, but it's also just an issue of our time, especially in America right now, and it's becoming more and more urgent what to do about our borders, about immigration, and especially our southern borders of our nation. It's a very big issue right now, and it's going to become an even bigger issue because 
You basically have a humanitarian disaster. Thousands of people coming over there without proper care, without real, probably without any real skills, without education, for the most part, maybe some do. Many children, families being separated, many people coming over the border who are sick, who are bringing COVID. Could be one of the reasons there's been a certain rise in it. Not the only reason, but certainly has to be part of it. A high percentage of them have these illnesses and other kinds of illnesses as well. Many are criminals. Many have really no kind of family or rootedness. Many are coming over because they think they'll just be taken care of. Now, this is not criticizing. This is simply describing the situation. This is an urgent contemporary situation. And even our president in the United States himself realizes that this has gotten out of hand. He's trying to do certain things about it, but we've sort of, in a sense, created a monster. Nothing against people who are in need, people wanting to come to America to have a better life, let's face it. So many of us came from immigrant families, whether our parents, grandparents, or whatever. They came for a better life, for opportunity. Nothing against that at all. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about something very different, and something which is going to have and is having terrible ramifications. So how do the Eastern churches have anything to say or to bring to this situation now that's out of control at our southern border? It's not the same in the northern border, but it's, it's that way in the southern border of the United States. Why is it that this situation exists? Why does any situation that doesn't work, that is producing chaos or misery or even evil, why do those situations exist? Why do we have breakdowns in most every part of our culture right now? Why is nothing really working that well? I mean, there are certain flashes of brilliance, but there's really nothing working that well in our culture right now, in our nation, education, economy, marriage, family, media, public relations, international relations, now this border, this border issue. Why is that? The reason is because we don't approach things. Things that aren't going well are not being approached from the right fundamental view. So what is that view? Where do we get it? Well, I'm offering these in churches as a source for that view. And in particular, something about our liturgy and something particular about the liturgy itself. And this may seem very simplistic, but the things that are in church, our liturgy, is not just about going to church, fulfilling an obligation. It's about a worldview. Liturgy is life, and life is liturgy. Liturgy gives us the view, the blueprint, the correct order of things that we're supposed to live by. What am I speaking about in particular? In the churches, East and West, and this actually stemmed from the design of the temple of the Old Testament. That's right. The biblical times. We go all the way back to the biblical times for this. And we go back to the liturgy of the biblical times. What happened in the temple, how it was constructed. What happened there was order, hierarchy, which was reflected in the different, not only the rituals that went on in the temple, but where people stood, where people were in the temple, what kind of people? Who was where? Where were the women? Where were the men? Where were others? What was the architectural structure, the design of the temple? All of this was actually a participation in God's order of things, where there is such things as hierarchy. Some things are more sacred than others. There's a 
specific orientation. There's places to be. There's even hierarchy in heaven. Did you know that? Yes, there's hierarchy in heaven. There's different levels of angels and principalities and dominations and spiritual beings in heaven. Well, you know, St. Michael, the Latin Rite Church always admire that beautiful prayer they have to St. Michael. The Eastern churches, we have a prayer too, but I really like the Latin Rite prayer to St. Michael. It's very powerful. St. Michael was the prince of the heavenly armies. Okay, so there's hierarchy in heaven which means there has to be hierarchy on earth because earth is a participation in heaven and that participation is revealed in the liturgical life, both from the, all the way back from the Old Testament to the current. One of the most important aspects was the different zones of the temple where you had at the very front of the temple, you know, you entered the temple, there were different zones and all the way at the front was an area sectioned off by a veil and other architectural designs that was called the Holy of Holies. And only the high priest went in, but once a year, for the highest and loftiest of reasons, to offer forgiveness on behalf of himself and the bride Israel, as it awaited the union with the bridegroom, Yahweh, in the prayer of the temple. Now, that gave a sense of something very, very sacred. And so you had to have an architectural design that reflected that. So you had a separation of that zone of the temple from the rest. That gave any kind of worshipers a strong sense of this is where only a certain person or persons belong. This is where this certain special thing happens. And where you are, yeah, you're important too, but you don't go there. You're not authorized for that very special thing. And that very special thing and the person that's allowed there that is authorized, which is the high priest, does that on behalf of you. So you're not being left out or put down. It's about service to the whole community. Well, the Christian church picked that up too, the early Christians. Yes, they used Roman basilicas and so on, but they also designed them according to the Jewish temple, which had different zones. Now, that was the case in the Eastern churches and the Western churches. Latin Rite Catholics might recall or even know today in some of their churches still have what's called the communion rail. And nobody went past the communion rail except the ordained ministers. The priests faced the altar, faced east, ad orientum, turned around to the people only at certain times, and then brought Holy Communion to them while they knelt on the one side of the communion rail, the priest standing on the other. They did not cross that. Only the priests, the ordained ministers, and with the servers who are extensions of the priest, crossed into that Holy of Holies, just like in the old Jewish temple. Well, Let's take that now to the Eastern churches. The Eastern churches took that, what would be like the communion rail, only it's much more elaborate. Of course, in the Eastern churches, everything's got to be more elaborate, <laughs> part of our charism. And that separation now between the Holy of Holies, where only the ordained ministers could go, went from the floor to the ceiling. It wasn't just a rail. It was from, eventually from floor to the ceiling. It developed over time that way. It wasn't always that big, but it was definitely always there. And it went from floor to ceiling, was called an icon screen, iconostasis, with three sets of doors on it. The central doors are those which only the ordained ministers enter in and out of, only when fully vested, as they face east, face the altar, ad orientum, inside that sanctuary. There's two other doors. Those are for the server doors. In fact, they're called deacon's doors, the deacon's doors. And processions would take place from the sanctuary with the ordained ministers through those doors and back into them. But only the ordained ministers, the priest or bishop, would go in and out of the central doors, which are called the gates of heaven or the royal doors. And again, just like the Old Testament temple, only for the loftiest of reasons. Now, when we come back, we explain how all that 
is relevant and can provide a solution to this disastrous issue of the immigration, the human disaster existing on the southern border of the United States of America. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Every day, Father Loya posts a brief two-minute Facebook video on the Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish homepage. You'll be amazed at what you can learn just by watching. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion and to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church. We need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. You are listening to the Choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the sacred liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $20 or more, which includes shipping and handling to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you This is Archbishop Salvatore Cordiglione of the Archdiocese of San Francisco, and you are listening to Light of the East. The Tabor Life Institute, which is dedicated to the formation and education in the theology of the body. To find out more about the Tabor Life Institute, you can go to taborlife.org. That's taborlife.org. Especially if you're interested in conferences and retreats, in particular for youth, young adults, and also for those of you who speak Spanish. That's taborlife.org. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loyal, your host. We're talking about an example of the absolute urgency and relevancy of some of the gifts of the Eastern churches. Now, this also pertains to the gifts of the Latin Rite Church as well, but right now we're focusing on a particular gift of the Eastern Church or the way that that gift is presented in Eastern churches. That, of course, is the different zones of the church that's used for the liturgy of the Eastern churches, and that particular zone is the Holy of Holies. It's set apart by a grand wall called an icon screen, which has doors on it, and it hides, and yet it reveals at the same time. But here's why, as we're saying, that this image gives us a clue, a blueprint. It informs our whole issue of what to do with borders, in this case, the borders of the United States, which are being overrun, which is not good for anybody, especially for the people who are coming over the border. We're not trying to be against them. We're trying to be for them. You know, sometimes people can do things that are not good for them. 
And we have to try to help them to correct that. Otherwise, it's not good for them because we care about them. It's not about keeping people out for the sake of keeping out. It's about helping people doing what's best for them on either side of a border, either side of a border. Remember, compassion is not just one way. It's two ways. And it's for everyone. And it's not selective either. And it's based on truth. Well, in the Eastern churches, the icon screen that I mentioned just before the break, here's the key to it. And this is the key to healthy borders, whether in human relationships within ourselves as persons, we have to have boundaries or borders, or for a nation. The way that healthy boundaries work is exactly how the icon screen works in the liturgy of the church and the Eastern churches. That's why it's the model I'm using. If the President of the United States visited an Eastern church and contemplated the icon screen, he would have a light bulb go off and say, oh, I know what to do on their border. I know how to make it better. The way it works is this. Yes, the icon screen is a border. It keeps people out, but it just doesn't do that only. There are certain people that come in through that border, in other words, the icon screen, only authorized persons and for certain reasons. So the icon screen is not just a solid wall. It's just not there to divide and keep people out. It is to divide and keep them out, but to an extent for a purpose, which is good for them. The icon screen has doors on it, which means the border can be passed through. It's not solid. And the doors of the icon screen work from the inside. See, that's the real key. Healthy borders have gates on them. They're not solid, and they're not completely porous. And that goes even when we come to human relationships. Whenever therapy is done for people who are victims of abuse— or the therapy is trying to correct people who are abusive. They teach them boundaries, but healthy boundaries. See, a person who is abusive or, or is a victim of abuse has a boundary problem. Their boundaries are too porous, too loose. So they encroach. The abuser encroaches where they shouldn't go. They don't understand that, no, you can't go there. You can't do that to that person, even if that's what you want. And also, the person being abused doesn't understand that they can't let someone do that to them. They can't allow that. The opposite is true, too, to have borders which are too firm, so you never let anyone in or out at any time. So you really don't develop your full humanness. You don't know how to be sociable and so on. Healthy borders have doors on them, but the doors work from the inside. In other words, the person on the inside for whom the border is for, or the boundary is for, they decide who comes in and out, how long they stay, how far they go in. And they do that by controlling the doors from the inside. Think of that psychologically, spiritually, and also liturgically. Now apply it to the border of a nation like ours. The wall, you know, the wall the previous president was putting up was not just a solid wall. It was actually a healthy boundary. And this is not a political statement. This is not a for or against the president, the past president. So don't don't go there. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about what was the reality. Regardless of who was building the border, what president was building the border, the border itself and its design, its intent was very much like the icon screen or healthy borders in human psychology. It was a wall, but it did have gates on it. It had portholes, entrances, where people could come into this country or could go into the southern country, the country south of us, like Mexico. You could pass in and out of those borders, but they were controlled. That's the key. 
Once again, we come to the brilliant principle of spirituality, both and. Borders, like the icon screen, like healthy boundaries in our human person, are supposed to reveal and conceal, to block out, but also to welcome. Both and, not either or. One of the reasons that border is being torn down by the current administration is because they take an either or attitude to it. They have other motives too. The attitude was, you can't block people out. Well, it wasn't blocking people out. It was blocking people out to an extent so there would be greater control, which would be good for all. Good for all. Remember, borders are not completely open, nor are they completely closed. They do both, but they have doors on them controlled by the host. So it is in the church and the church's liturgy, especially in the, in the Byzantine churches. The icon screen is very, very vital, very much a part of the liturgical action. And it gives us that whole sense and blueprint of hierarchy, of order, of a special place that you just don't charge up to. Not everybody's entitled to go climbing on the altar. Only certain people are allowed there out of service to the many. So that's the key. Borders serve. Borders serve. They do not keep out. And that's the end of the story. They keep out where it is necessary, where it is in service to humanity. Yeah, that's right. We need to control borders to serve the whole. If you have no borders or the borders are solid, it does not serve the whole. It hurts the whole. And this lesson can be seen and experienced in a very real way in the church. In the church's liturgy, east and west, the west when it has the communion rails and the mass is done where it utilizes the communion rail in that form of distributing communion. In the eastern churches, in the liturgy, that uses the icon screen. And there are times when those doors are closed during the liturgy, and there are times when they are open. And those times are very purposeful. It's not just willy-nilly. It's like, oh, I feel like opening the doors. No, the priest opens a door according to instructions. It's called rubrics, which means red. The instructions written in red. That's what rubrics mean. <laughs> because in the liturgical books for the clergy, the prayers are written in black ink, and the how-to you know, the instruction for the liturgy are written in red ink. So it became known as rubrics, like the like ruby red, ruby rose. That's what that means. So the rubrics give the indication of what to do, when to do it, and also why it is done. So there's a real purposefulness behind having that wall in the church, but a wall that has doors on it. Control from the inside. And the purpose behind all that is to bring the worshipers into an experience of truth, of God's blueprint, of the way things are, that there are some things greater and more special than others. It doesn't mean something that is less is somehow less valuable. Look at the stars in the sky. Look at the bright stars. What makes a beautiful starry sky? You notice what makes it beautiful? Some stars are smaller than others, not as bright as others. There's a whole variation in the brightness, the closeness of the stars in the sky. You don't say like, well, gee, how come that star over there is not as big as this star here? That's not fair. Let's make them all the same. 
then the skies would not be so interesting. They wouldn't be as beautiful as they are. So hierarchy, things that are dominant, subordinate, and subdominant, are actually things that serve the whole. They make for a beautiful experience. Same thing in music. There's certain instruments or parts of the symphony, for example, that are more dominant, but the beauty of the dominant parts are enhanced by the subordinate parts. You know, the parts of the music, the instruments, you oftentimes don't even really know what's going on with the other instruments, but their contribution, although seemingly subordinated, is absolutely crucial to make that beautiful sound that we know is a great symphony. So the church for 2,000 years has been the blueprint for God. It's been God's blueprint presented to the world. There's great wisdom in it and informs life. And so my advice to our nation, to anybody in any walk of life, any area, any discipline of life, is to live the liturgy. Find the wisdom for everything in the liturgy of the church. Thanks for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit byzantinecatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit byzantinecatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Saturday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio, Dr. Doctor discusses practical and current medical topics with a focus on the dignity of the human person, body, and soul. Dr. Doctor is the official radio program of the Catholic Medical Association. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh.